I'm Amber Brooks, a defender for the OL Reign, and I'm listening to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 55 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am joined by a full group today uh, with Omari and Bennett. Hello. Hello. What's poppin'? Uh, today's, uh, we got a pretty packed week of stuff to go over, um, just because of some things, uh, that got, uh, moved over due to scheduling things, but you know, here we are to tackle it. Uh, we're going to get right into it with Seahawks news, uh, free agency, uh, agency continues on, uh, the team brought back defensive end Benson Mayoa on a two year deal with a maximum value of $8.8 million, uh, with 4.6 guaranteed in the first year. He had six sacks last year with Seattle. The team also had another pass rusher and defensive end, Kerry Hyder, from the 49ers uh, for two years uh, worth $6.5 million, uh, base salary of 10000 that voids in year three. Voiding Void years are kind of what the Seahawks are doing to escape cap hell um, and just have things work right now, uh, which is interesting to see because I'll get a lot of these headlines about deals and it'll be like three years for Hyder, but in reality, it's only a two-year. Hyder uh, had... You want to explain that? Huh? You want to explain that? The, I think it's just years? a decoy year. I think it's just like two of the years matter. And then one is just like the money doesn't actually get paid to them. Cause the, with Carson, I think he's like, what I saw from Adam Schefter was a three-year deal worth like 24 mil, but like it, uh, every, like the third year doesn't even, the, uh, as far as I understand that third year just doesn't actually exist. It's, very weird i've never seen that um i'm trying to see if there's anything actually about it um i mean at the end of the day it's just like cap trickery i mean pretty much i mean it seems like it's really helping out the league more than it is hurting it so i don't know i mean like you look at what the saints are doing and they're like obviously bending the rules that the league has set out for them and the Seahawks are kind of doing the same thing. I wish the Seahawks would even do it a little more, quite honestly, because the cap rules are so stringent this year. But Oh, um, the advantage of void years is creating more cap space in 2021. Uh, the disadvantage is pushing some of the expense into the 2022 and 23 seasons in the form of what is called dead money. Uh, yeah, so it's like... just kind of pushing it around and finding ways for it to fit. Um, Kerry Hyder uh had 8.5 sacks last year with the 49ers he ranked well uh in run stop percentage at third out of 46 uh total qualifiers and had good pass rush productivity um so two you know you get some pass rush there which is always uh i mean since the super bowl years effectively has been something to address or at least more uh, in recent years um is that our only real signings no uh, we'll get to the, it's all D linemen, really. I mean, the Seahawks brought back Carlos Unlap on a two year, $16.6 million deal that includes 8.5 million guaranteed. Uh, good to bring Carlos back. Uh, it was just speculated that he would be brought back, uh, on a smaller deal, uh, after they released him. I think that was the entire intention. Uh, and the team signed defensive tackle Al Wood to a one year, $3 million deal. Uh, he spent time with Seattle during the 2011 as well as 2019 seasons. So with that being said, who would you guys pick for your favorite week two signing? And then I'll, uh, after that, we'll go over week one just because I didn't have you guys here. So we're going to start off with Bennett today. Who would be your favorite week two signing? 
Uh, Car- Carlos Dunlap by far and away. I think that was a that was a good move. I, I think that decision to bring him on immediately improves the pass rush. And the only reason I say that is because last season we saw him so extremely improve the pass rush immediately. Like the second we brought him on, there was an increase in production really across the entire defense. Um, that turning point for the season really was jump-started by his addition to the team. Uh, I like him as a player. I like him as a um, as kind of a piece for our pass rush alongside Hyder and uh, Al Woods, I think, and Puna and so on and so forth. I feel like all this uh, revitalization of the pass rush is really smart uh, because if we didn't have some of these guys, a loss like Jaron Reed would be a lot more prevalent. Um, so I think that Carlos Dunlap signing was a, sh- a show of good faith to the fans who have been wanting a better pass rush uh, in the last couple weeks, in the, or the last couple weeks of last year's season. And Omari? No, I, I definitely have to agree with Ben. It's nice to see that Carlos Dunlap's back. You know, you can only expect him to really get better second year with the team. So that should be nice to see. But also, I'm really excited to see what we can get out of Kerry Hyder. You know, I kind of I actually liked him on the 49ers saying, we had to play against him, so we really got to see that up in personal. So I think he would also be a good addition. I'm really liking what our D-line is turning out to be. Like, it looks like they're going to fix the problems that we had last year with this uh, whole pass rush. So it's just interesting seeing how the rest of the team is going to fill out after this because I feel like the line's looking more solid now where they can start addressing other things. Yeah. It definitely uh, – I mean, I mean, to trade for Dunlap for half the season and just to – not find a way to continue to have him on the team after just half a season. It, 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 I, I felt, I figured it was only inevitable to, uh, to have him Wait, back. Isn't Pete Carroll known as being like a defensive coach? Yeah. He was a DB's coach. Um, and, um, so we're going to stick with Omari when we go to this week one. And if you need a refresher, uh, the newer faces that were brought in in week one were Akella Witherspoon, uh, at cornerback, Gerald Everett at tight end, Gabe Jackson via trade uh, from the Raiders. Uh, the team re-signed Chris Carson and Puna Ford in that first week. So, Amari, who would your favorite signing from that uh, first week be? Gerald Everett. For sure. Yeah, definitely Gerald Everett. Uh, another weapon for us. It's nice to see. Uh, more options. I feel like we'll definitely see production from him. Like, I definitely feel like that's a sure thing, you know, so it's not just going to be DK and Tyler. Like, I definitely feel like Gerald Everett's going to be up there with him on the stat sheets. I mean, it, it's uh, – I don't want to slight him necessarily, but uh, he's an athletic upgrade over Hollister. Um, mm. I would say he's an athletic upgrade. I mean, I'm sure Gerald Everett can do things that Hollister can't. Bennett does not agree with me on that. But – um. You know, I, I am excited to see what he does, obviously, with his familiarity with uh, the offensive approach that uh, Waldron's bringing over. So we're going to throw it over to Bennett, uh, your favorite week one acquisition uh, from free agency. Got to say, um, it's split between Ford and Jackson. I, I think if if I were hard-pressed to make a decision, I'd have to say Gabe Jackson, but... Uh, I like bringing Puna Ford back. He's a fan favorite. I think it's mostly just because he has a fun name. Um, 
but also because he's a badass pass rusher who's very good at what he does. And uh, I think he's better than um, what what a lot of the stat sheet stuff tells you he is. I think he's a he's a great um, defensive set piece. But Gabe Jackson is what we need, and we needed more than just Gabe Jackson. So um, we re-signed that other uh, uh, guard. What's his name? Simmons or no 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 no. Are you talking about Pochich? No, was it Simmons? Uh, there's another guy. It might have been Simmons. I know they brought back Simmons, and then there was another guy that they brought back. Well, they did bring uh, back Pochich. Po- Pochich. Pochich. So. Oh, you you said it right. Pochich. Pochich. That's right. Oops. Mm. Uh, I, I think yes, Simmons was a good reciting, too. But I think Jackson is the most attractive what one. What about Nick Ballore, Bennett? We, I don't think I've seen him touch the field for quite some time, if I'm honest with you. Well, we don't really use a fullback. Jordan Simmons, they brought back Obwehi. Yeah, uh, Obwehi. Right. But, uh, I mean, at least to this point, I really don't think there's necessarily been, like, a bad move. Like, there was some last year that I was like, oh. like, giving some money to certain guys. Uh <clears throat> Greg Olson, um, you know. So I, 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 I won't lie to you guys, and I won't lie to you, Omari. I feel like I feel like Gerald Everett is just like pretty much the same situation as Greg Olson. Not so much in the sense that Gerald Everett's just going to huh? keep over and die at the end of the season like Greg Olson did, but more so because like I'm kind of tired of signing these tight ends to like one year deals. Mm. Yeah, that seems and weird. Like, it's like you're not having any faith. I feel like you're not giving you're not giving no reason, like no real incentive to like really. I don't know. It's just like, what are you guys trying to do? What are you trying? Like, are you trying to build something? Right. Um. So, I I, I also just want to bring up the fact that like when we look at the Seahawks pass rush compared to the start of last year, we're obviously in a much better place. But I kind of want to bring the question to the table. Do you think we were doing enough for the defense as a whole? Or is it some, is it a, is it a wider effort? Do we have to start looking at the secondary and maybe even linebacker position, depending on what happens with KJ? To be fair, um, <laughs> to be fair, uh, I mean, we were only in the first few weeks. Um but I do think going forward, I think that you're going to need a. I I, I don't know why you wouldn't bring back KJ. I don't know what's stopping you. Um, Cowboys would be stopping you. I didn't like mm. that. I did not like seeing that. He liked it. Did tweet. not like that joke. Um, but uh, I think I think that you bring an interesting question to the table because how it stands with Witherspoon, uh, Reed, and Flowers at cornerback. Uh, I think I think you need to at least someone else. Um, whether that I mean, I be... notice in a lot of the the, the mock drafts, I see the Seahawks taking in a corner. Mm-hmm. So that it, it also depends on who they want to target via the draft. Like you know, Amari's getting to. So it's 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 it's. Uh, hmm. I know that at linebacker, I know I want KJ back, but uh, corner, it's it's interesting to see whether they they go through the draft or. Um, free agency, free trade. agency. But even then, what's your plan? You admit, though, when it comes to corners through the draft, you're not really 
you're never going to get like immediate like like that like no corners ever like just that from straight out of the draft it's usually some development so it really depends if they're trying to develop a corner or not or just get someone they can really go make a push for like make a push for the super bowl with i think like our team has shown that we can develop a corner into something at least usable i mean obviously because shaq griffin just got the big payday from jacksonville um might have been overpaid but i i I don't like want to make a jump there uh jacksonville has the money so why not spend it uh but then you look at like somebody like witherspoon is there any development left in him he's been in the league for three years four years is there any more juice to squeeze out of that lemon? I don't know. So, and then you start looking at guys like uh, like Reed, uh, Dunbar, not not Reed, Dunbar and Flowers. And everybody knows how I feel about Trey Flowers. He might have turned the corner at the end of the season, but but then you look at uh, Dunbar. I don't know if I like Dunbar where he is in our team right now. I'm not sure if I I, I still haven't been converted. So I think our secondary has so much work. And if we lose KJ, I don't know what our defense looks like next year. I mean, we have the backup. Oh, God. Our first round pick. Jordan. Oh, Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks. Who and he was playing more on the other side of the, the line. But he doesn't play the position that he plays. So I don't know where we go if we lose KJ. It's, it's going to be an interesting thing. And I don't think we try to convert. Jordan Brooks to the other side. So, I don't think we're going to lose KJ, though. I mean, hopefully the front office is being smart. I don't think they're going to give up KJ. But, you know, mistakes have been made before. So, we'll yeah. see what happens. I mean, I, I wouldn't advise sticking with who you've got at the roster linebacker because obviously having Jordan Brooks is nice, but – at the end of the day, who's who becomes your third backer? Is it a guy like Cody Barton, or you know? So, um, yeah, you can see my uh, my questions with that. So, uh, obviously, you know, we're still sort of, I guess, you could say, early in free agency, but um, so there there are some obvious uh, needs that need to be filled here, um, and it's interesting to see what the uh, what happens with that third wide receiver spot, just because David Moore goes to Carolina. Uh, is it now Freddie Swain's job to lose or what's the deal there? Or as I was going to get to here, uh, Josh Gordon making on the run to the NFL, does he get a shot again? Uh, and is the team willing to potentially give him a chance? Um, quick thoughts on that. Yes, no. I feel like he would be cheap. So, yes, I definitely feel like he's, He's still good. That's the crazy thing, too. It's not like he's bad. So he's going to be a good, cheap option just because of all the drama and stuff surrounding him. And I feel like the rules might change or, I don't know, maybe it's still going to be rigged and they're going to make sure he's still, like, just suspended for all the season because of marijuana and not for any of the other crazy reasons that people have been suspended for, like beating women. But let's not get into it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I'd hopefully, feel, I'd feel like I'd hope – We've turned the corner as the NFL is an association weave, um, quote unquote. But I feel that like we have had a um, they changed the rules about weed. You know what I mean? So like they they need to push that further and like let Josh Gordon be more involved uh, in 
Well, and then the big thing that I read, you know, when we were going through the season about him was that they wouldn't even let him be near the facility. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, the rules shouldn't be so stringent. They should allow him to be mm. involved with the team. Yes. Because honestly, quite honestly, maybe if he has more time to be involved with the team. Just even around the, you know, in the facility, you know, just keeping him like he's with the team. Be, if he really truly is having problems with the substance, maybe giving him football so he can go hang out with his buds and like play catch at least on site, he'd be able to like change that a little bit. But then again, it's weed and the NFL is highly hypocritical about this type of stuff. Um, so I don't know. The fact that guys like Antonio Brown are still allowed to play and the guys like Greg Hardy were allowed Greg to play. It is ridiculous. I mean, I feel like it fully comes down to the NFL. Like, I feel like if the Seahawks had a chance, they probably will, just because it's too good of an opportunity to miss out on. So I feel like it's fully on to the NFL, like what they decide to do. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting that Bennett mentions that name, as uh, Seattle was reportedly one of two teams that was interested in Antonio Brown. We've we've talked about this before, and we've we've uh, made our feelings known on this before, so I don't think this needs to be uh, repeated. Um, but getting into the rest of the news, uh, the Seahawks released Jaron Reed. Uh, the team was attempting to trade Reed, uh, but could not get a deal done. It, it appeared that talks uh, plummeted after Reed uh, tweeted that his time in Seattle was effectively over. Um, the team wanted to restructure Reed's deal uh, in order to fit more cap space in there. Reed wanted a longer term deal. Uh, issues took place, and the result is his departure. So Reed is now with the Chiefs on a cheaper deal. Uh, and, you know, it's, um, I mean, I enjoy having Reed on the team, but, uh, you know, at a certain point when more money is wanted, it, it becomes difficult and it's a business end of the day. Um, let's see here. Uh, there's also reportedly uh, mutual interest between cornerback Richard Sherman and the Seattle Seahawks for a reunion. There uh, haven't been necessarily too many deep talks about that currently. Um, but it's something to keep note of. And I think it's interesting, uh, to look at just considering the sort of outside of his ability right now, uh, he's an obvious mentor and he would be a huge asset in the learning department, but, uh, I don't know. I'm, if we're looking at stats for nerds, uh, pro pro football focus said that he's had some good years in San Francisco. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, it's, it's an interesting prospect to me. Would I like to have him back on the team? Yes, just because he looks better in a Seattle uniform than a 49ers uniform. But uh, it's, I don't know, it's interesting. And I'm, I'm sure it will be something that just boils down to money at the end of the day. I think it's uh, financial, uh, finances will ultimately uh, factor into this. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll keep note of that as we continue on. Obviously, cornerback, like Bennett said, is something to keep note of. Um, in NFL relations, would be stupid, huh? A team charisma on the defense would be crazy. You got Richard Sherman and Jamal Adams, and Bobby Wagner. I've seen, I haven't even thought about I feel like that. you can never be in a bad mood. <laughs> I feel like you can never be in a bad mood. Just imagine being just always motivated. DB and the right. other team would always be in a bad mood. Right? Imagine, <laughs> I, I can see them like getting him for like a cheap, small, like short contract, and then it's like you have you draft a corner this year. Let him develop under like 
a legend like Richard Sherman. And then, mm. you know, that's that's something I can see them doing right there if they're going to go see. that corner route. Because no corner is going to be productive in the first year like how you would want them to. I see I see Omari's vision here, and I, I agree with it. Because um, yeah, so I think he said he only game. wants to play, like, two more years. So Exactly. So it's you not like he wants. Two years. You have a corner time to develop, and that's perfect right there. That's perfect. I think Omari just laid the vision out. I'm gonna I'm gonna call John Schneider here and tell him what to do. Um, to get into <laughs> NFL related news, NFL owners hope to resume in person offseason workouts this spring, while players are vowing uh, vowing are vying for virtual offseason. So we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. But it seems like sometimes the owners kind of get what they want. Uh, and that's a good segue as we see the NFL is basically uh already going to implement the six seventeenth game for the upcoming season uh we we talked about this a little bit before we started but i think it's pretty clear that none of us really think this is a good idea uh as well as the players themselves actually think it's a bad idea as well i would agree with that i don't think it's needed i don't think it's gonna it, it's just a money play at the end of the day it's just sell more tickets you know get another tv spot that's no it's it's just a finance thing uh, and that's you know that's going back to the owners getting what they want. The owners wanted a 17th game, and they're going to get one. And if you look at any NFL team throughout this course of a 17 game week, uh, just because everybody gets the bye week, um, nobody comes out completely healthy. Somebody has a season under you know. There's always going to be at least a couple people at minimum who get their ACL torn. So you know, uh, it's just more chance for injury, more chance for wear and tear. Uh, not good um if that you is think it. about it we didn't have a we didn't have a preseason this year right and like who got injured the 49ers lost uh who was it nick boza like yeah first week uh, yeah so actually like, let's let's run down the list uh more of that <laughs> i mean guys that pop up uh what was it let's, okay this is just week four Oh wait, no, that doesn't help. Thanks, NFL. That article crashed. Forty Nine actually lost. I think like their their whole like just because Bosa was out. Bad. Let's just think. I know Saquon Barkley was out. Uh, Dak Prescott was Christian out. McCaffrey. McCaffrey was out for most of the year. Um, I mean, I know we lost Marquise Blair second week of the year. Um, it's just I. Richard sure Sherman if, was out. George Kittle was out. Yep. Yep. I mean the you know it's, it's was out for a week I think was was he I think he was yeah because yeah, Henny he came was. in oh magical Henny yeah anything possible um so it's just like why yeah. why it's 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 a money thing that's all it is money Everything. grab money it's, grab yes exactly. how much money is that though how much money comes with a week of football like a regular season how much money do you think comes in. Because I didn't realize until, like, I moved out here, like, most football games don't actually show. Like, football games aren't actually airing now. But it has to be at least, like, over a dozen million dollars. Well, just think about the yeah. the commercials, how much money people make. Right. Um, you got the commercial. That's a whole other episode of all those after shows, halftime shows. You know, all those speaking shows. That's a whole other week of all those. Oh, yeah. Like, the pregame. You know. and- Featuring uh, none other than Ode Legend. Did they mention what they're going to do with preseason? Like, I guess that would be kind of okay. If oh, they, like, yeah. Preseason four heard. weeks. 
nothing. They haven't they haven't super announced what they're doing in the preseason yet. I know that like alternate ideas have been proposed over the last like over the last off season. They wanted to do like three games. Maybe I feel like if they're gonna add another regular season game, it should be like two weeks for preseason. I just think like two. I think that. Well, obviously, what they're trying to do is they're trying to make up for the revenue that they lost because yeah. of COVID, right? Mm, like, not even. I feel like they didn't lose revenue like that. Um, but like, I mean, well, I, I don't know. You see the other leagues doing the same thing. We see that the NFL or the NBA wants to literally that's different though. And new teams. The NBA really got like no viewership on the final game compared to like. I think the college football playoffs, like the championship, got more views. The NFL just get views. Like that's the like, that's the difference to me. I know, but and they, they had a full also, season. The, the NBA but, 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 season like, got messed up. They also didn't have fans in attendance, which also hurts their revenue as well. Like yeah, the revenue the machine, NFL had fans. The revenue machine of the NFL really got disrupted this year, and I think that this is what they're trying to do to remedy it. You know, that's the thing. Uh, they were talking about it before, though. That's why I know they're not. That is true. <laughs> they, were talking about, true. they were talking about it before, so that's why I know they're not. I think that's why they were able to get it passed is because it got because of COVID. They're greedy. Like, as fuck. I think it, I don't know. Yeah, they're greedy as fuck. I don't know. They're just that, that's just how that's all it boils down to. You know, Goodell is a greedy, twisted man with his own agenda. I, He's I obviously know. none of our favorite. I don't think. There's a single person that watches football that, in like, let's say that uh, he's their favorite commissioner. I enjoy Roger Goodell. New England. They don't like him. I guess not now, but they did pre 2015. Oh yeah, well, um, so you know, it's that. I mean, it, it's obvious how we feel about that. Uh, getting into our Mariners now, we have Bennett and I. Uh, on the infield, outfield, and the season preview. Um, we missed this last week. We missed the infield uh, just because right. Bennett had obligations to take care of. So let's get into it. Let's take uh, take this away. Uh, unless Omari wants to chime in, he can effectively go and do a workout during this section because we're going to be here for a <laughs> tiny bit of time. But if he wants to chime in, hey, by any means. Uh, we're just going to run through... I'm just going to run through my first, second, third, ooh, first, second, short, and third plus DH. Um, first base, I think it's clear-cut. Evan White's going to be the starter there. Uh, I mean, the gold-gloving, gold-gloving, gold-glove winning first baseman that leaves. Uh, I mean, he's looking to improve his hitting. Um, he's really good with runners and scoring position, which is very interesting. Uh he has a 0.998 fielding percentage. I mean, it, he's a gold glover. It's kind of hard to get around that. All that was is, I mean, he hadn't even hit against AAA uh, pitching. So, I mean, to make that jump from the majors, he, he's going to find a swing. I don't think that's any sort of issue. Uh, and then backing him up, because uh, they can only carry a couple of guys on the bench. And I just figure that uh, Marmaleos is just going to be that guy just because he provides versatility, uh, being able to play in the outfield. Uh, he could use some improvement in regards to his hitting, but, I think his versatility is what makes him attractive. Bennett, who do you have at first? I mean, I got Evan White as well. Um, hard to not say Evan Hill there. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll see if he wants to play first. I'll ask him. Bribe him with uh, uh, in and out. Yeah. Um, I think Marmaleos is a good pick there. I wasn't really necessarily pinning a backup for first at all, but, I mean, if you were going to, Marmaleos is obviously your pick. Um, because he brings that utility 
that I don't think we really have on the Mariners that has an established history with us already or an established history in the league. So I like Marmaleos there. Um, I, I just think, I think Evan Hill is, God damn it. I, I made that joke and now I'm going to be stuck in Evan Hill hell. Evan Hill hell. Hmm. Uh, but Evan White, I think, is poised for a breakout season again. Uh, he had that. I, I'm gonna. I'm excited to see what he does in a full season. Last season, obviously limited. First season we ever seen him. Uh, had a Golden Glove season out there at first. So I'm looking forward to what he do in a whole 162 games, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see um, what he brings to to the plate. Second base is where it, it gets interesting because um, this is a guy who was more of that utility person last year, and that's Dylan Moore uh, is who I have there. I would have had Shed Long, but he's been dealing with a shin injury. Um, he just, he didn't do anything in spring training. He's just been dealing with that injury and trying to get back to running. Uh, so I think at this point, Dylan Moore is going to be the guy, and he might at the end of the day, he might just take that position as a whole. Um just because, I mean, he he shined in – and I think with Bennett, what Bennett hit on was the, you know, the small sample size that we got from a lot of these guys. It'll be interesting to see what a lot of them will do in a full season because, shoot, who's actually, you know, who's actually played from this team who's played in that full-length season, you know? Hanniger, Kyle Seeger, Tom Murphy, uh, Marco, James Paxton. But hey, when you look at the rest of the position players, it's not, not that many. Yeah, in terms of position players, all our guys are really young, which is great. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, shit, where do we go if any of that? I mean, like, again, none of them play a full season. What happens if they get gassed? You know what I mean? What if they just can't, f- like, fulfill their entire duty? Um and I, I just, I, I have a bad feeling about some of these guys, especially like Kyle Lewis. I know he's a stud, um, but I want to see him have a full 162 game season while also pulling off his uh, numbers that he was able to achieve last year. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's entirely fair. You know, uh, we'll get into it more in the outfield, but it's uh, obviously I was really excited to see Kalu do his thing. But it's like, hey, what do you, you know? You've got more time now in this full season. Let's see what you can do. Along that line, though, I will say, yeah, Dylan Moore is my lock for second. Uh, I don't know if I ever wanted Shed there. Uh, Shed, Shed is a fan favorite, a lot like Puna, because he's got a badass name. But unlike Puna, I didn't. I actually, I didn't see him saying with the team, so I, I, I'm not entirely surprised because of contract stuff. But I'm entirely surprised that he was originally being. Uh, pointed at for uh second baseman yeah no so it, it, i don't know it, it, it'll be interesting to see because even last year i mean he had a 171 average you know uh so at the end of the day if you can't hit balls in baseball you're not gonna last very long uh shortstop it this is interesting to me because i saw somebody uh i've seen some interesting talk on mariners twitter about it but i had i mean it's obvious i have jp crawford just you know uh i've enjoyed jp since we had him i mean oh wait he's played in the full season that's right he was here in 2019 um Good he's got an okay average at 255 but obviously could use improvement uh coming off a gold glove season um 
I mean, uh, my only critique is that he could use a little bit more uh, uh, consistency in the batter's box, but that's about it. Um, I mean, like I said, he's made he, even in 2019, he was making good defensive plays. So he's a, he's a stud on uh, when it comes to fielding, but I think he could just use some help uh, batting wise. I agree. I mean, Crawford's obviously the lock at shortstop. Uh, he has been since 2019, so I, I I wouldn't exactly expect anything to get switched up there. 255 isn't um like the worst. Uh, it's above the ill-fated Mendoza line. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not entirely worried about that, but I uh, will say uh. It would be nice to see more consistency out of him and Evan White. Uh, just like I said for Evan White, get that batting average up and you're poised for a breakout season. You're poised for like a... Uh, you're basically poised for like... If, if, they, if they can keep up the fielding and they can keep up a batting average above to, I'd say, 275, both of them are like going to become all-star players immediately within the next two years. And should be poised to make a playoff run, even. Oh yeah, I mean, I figure that's within those two years. Um, oh, I'm just—I've seen from what I've seen is that people are a little bit worried about JP and his batting, just because he's been in the league a couple uh, in the league longer than Evan. I think Evan can fix that, just considering you know he jumped from two A. Uh, to come up and do that, so it, uh, I don't know. I'm I have more faith, I guess. Um, uh, so you know, we'll see about that. But I I don't know. I have faith in JP. I guess I, I don't. Know. I guess I'm really excited for a lot of these guys to you know get that full season under their belt. Um, third base, I think it's pretty easy. I don't really dead long, least... baby. What dead long all the way? I want to kick you out. Uh, Kyle Seager. Um, I mean, he's uh, – what is that? I can't even read what I wrote down. He didn't have a stellar year last year. He had a 241 average, uh, 975. Um, what in the world is that? Sorry, I can't even read some of my handwriting. Um, but, I mean, he's he's at this point in time, he's the, the leader of this young team. He's been a consistent uh, force at third base for a decent amount of time. He has had some down years uh, a little bit ago. But uh, at this point in time, I think he's still the third baseman. I think in the future, Ty France might take that role. Um, but for right now, I think it's still Kyle Seager. Um, and I think it's his uh, – I think that's just his space. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Seager is the vet of the team right now. He is the guy. So I, I'm not. I'm not entirely – moving to the Kyle Seager isn't going to be on our team anymore this season, obviously. Um, so yeah, he's our guy at second or at third base. And I think he will be for the rest of the season bar injury. Um, it, it's a shame that it is, it, it's becoming apparent that it's his last season here. Uh, so I hope he's able to have a high note, leave off on a high note. And um, maybe increase his uh, salary somewhere else because I'd like to see him continue to thrive in the NFL or in the NBA. Holy shit! In the MLB, 
Well, Bennett's accounted for three swears today. Wow. Um, and then DH, uh, I have Ty France. I think he's done a really good job over the spring of sort of securing that role. Uh, he's got a 309 average last year. Um, I don't, ooh, actually, I should look at the updated things because I did these a little bit ago. Uh, but he was, I mean, he played, played really well in uh, spring ball. Um, obviously, spring ball is entirely different from a normal game. Uh, 16 hits, two doubles, I mean, four doubles, five home runs, 11 RBIs, 327 average, uh, 389 OBP, 714 slugging, uh, 1.103 OPS. So, I mean, he, he had a pretty good spring. And I think that, like I said, I think he's our third baseman of the future just because he has played the corners at first and third in the past. And I uh, think that's just going to be, I think right now he's just going to be DH while, while we've got Mr. Seeger. Uh, on the roster. Yeah, I I, I 100% agree. I, I don't see anybody else forecasted to be at DH, and I don't really see anybody else making sense to be DH. Um, I mean, France has had like a fantastic um, spring training, and he showed that he can have that consistency that we're kind of looking for from some of the fielders, uh, infielders. So, and I think we've been thirsting for a good DH for some time. So well, if he's at least, least since Nelly. Right. And Nelly went away two years ago now. Um, so for those last two years, we've been kind of devoid of that. We had like Ryan Healy playing. What DH. about Dan Vogelback? We had Vogie playing DH some nights, and both those guys. Well, Healy wasn't that bad, but like Vogie, what the hell was that experiment? I think I think it was it was like Encarnacion in 2019. Who was uh, like a, a Mariner for I don't know half third of the year. Half a shipped him off to New York. I don't even know where he's at right now. He might still be with New York. Um, Vogie played first base sometimes and when he yeah. was dh and then when he was playing first usually it was healy at dh yep yep um a terrible a, a terrible fucking system because like both those guys were not great hitters i miss the days of day holy um, was a good was a good first baseman dh and we were wrong to get rid of he's off to uh greener pastures i guess but Getting up. into the outfield uh, outfield section of the group. Same with Ryan Healy. Yeah. Uh, end up there. <laughs> uh, at left field, this is the guy that I've been excited for since we actually acquired him in the trade, oh, uh, shipping uh, Asanola down to San Diego. San Diego. Uh, Taylor Trommel, I think he's played into that position uh, really well. In this, just to give context, this is just for the whole year. This isn't just opening day roster. Um, uh, so, Tramel's, I mean, he's performed really well in, in spring ball. Obviously, that's, you know, it's not any sort of uh, tell-all uh, situation, but if we just, you know, take a look over um, at, at spring ball, he had uh, 45 at-bats, eight runs, four hits, uh, three homers, nine RBIs, two stolen bases, a 3.11 average, uh, 1.037 OPS, which are all good numbers in case you don't know the nerdy numbers. 
I don't really know them that well either, but higher number go Chuck think better. Unless so, it's yeah, unless it's ERA, you don't want that number to go high. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, your your prime uh, lineup, at least for right now, in the outfield is Tramel, Lewis, and Haniger. Um, so yeah, left field Taylor Tramel. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think I think Bennett has no argument there. Well, I mean, there's no arguing it because Survey said he's going to be there. Yes. And also, I like sent a voice memo the night that he got called to be the guy, where we were talking about something else, and I like tacked on to the end of the voice message, like, "Yeah, I think I'm ready for infielders and outfielders. I'm pretty sure Tramel is going to be the last guy." And then that night, they had that Twitter post about, or well, he said it during the interview at the game. Uh, that Tramel was going to be the, the guy. So um, I, I think that's probably the case. And I, I don't see any arguments to the contrary. I don't think that there's necessarily anybody else who needs to get fit into the outfield scheme. And I don't think, I don't think anybody else is necessarily better than Tramel either. I think what might happen at some point is that we'll see Hanager shipped off and Kellenic might assume the right field role, but I wouldn't be surprised if we do not. I'd be surprised if we see Hanager at the end of the season because he's been trade bait for some time, and the only reason <laughs> he hasn't been taken is because he's been hurt with a certain injury that sounds very painful that I don't want to get into. The ruptured, don't you know, homie got. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's been something that I would have thought for. Huh. What's the injury? Nah, I, I want to know what's the injury. Oh, Mitch Hanniger had a ruptured testicle. <laughs> ah! Dude, yeah. he hit the Sorry. ball. He Sorry. fouled the ball off of home plate, and it bounced up and hit him so hard that he had to get – he, like, he played one more inning and then left the field. And everyone was like, oh, it hit him in the inner thigh, and it just was a contusion. But it hit him so hard that it burst. He burst yeah. his testicle? How do you, uh, how, okay, never mind. Please continue. I'll go back to being quiet. Oh. Um, uh, great. Terrible. My, I'm scared. Um, let, let's continue on course. Uh, Tramel, I mean, consensus, consensus, left fielder, center field. Uh, I have Kyle Lewis. Uh, I mean, r- rookie of the year last year, obviously a smaller sample size, but uh, he could still work on, you know, more consistent hitting at a 262 average last year, uh, 11 homers with a eight point. No, 0.01 OPS, uh, feeling percentage of 9.85, you know, obviously nothing to spit at, but uh, could use, uh, he could use a little bit more consistency uh, in the batter's box. I mean, he's not like horrible batting, but, you know, he could race a little bit. Um, Bennett, your thoughts? We're talking center right now? Yeah. And we're not talking opening day. We're talking about Kyle Lewis. Just general. Well, obviously not opening. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can touch on opening day because that's something that. Well, no, they'll be in the. They'll be in team news. Yeah. So I mean, obviously Kyle Lewis is going to be our guy for center field for most of the year. Um, I think that he's a spectacular young player. He has. I think he has the potential to be one of the Seattle greats, and I think we've seen that potential already. It's just. I think it. I think a common theme with a, any young team is gonna be um, final. Like it, it's gonna be finding that consistency, and that's with any young team. That's with like 
the Seahawks in 2013. We won a Super Bowl, but the immediate question was, can they find the same stardom and consistency the next couple years? And the answer was yes, just not to the same extent that we'd ever see again. So is that the case for Mariners? Probably not, because we saw a lot of room for development, and we obviously weren't seeing a skill plateau. We're seeing it only rising. But I think what bothers me is the lack of depth on our team sometimes. I feel like we have a we have an amazing farm system right now, but the guys that are available to most likely be switched out if someone would be injured are less than spectacular. And I, I know we'll get into that with team news and I, I don't want to spoil too much for the next segment of our podcast. Um, but if you hold on for like five minutes, you'll see my, my idea on that. Um, so with that being said, we'll get into right field. Um, Meech. It, it's interesting. Cause it's like, how long will this be? You know, how long will this to, you know, tread, tread deadline or what? But um, yep. I mean, I had Mitch here, uh you know he dealt with that injury in 2019 um you know since then uh since then he had a 286 average uh 890 well no this was in 19 286 average 891 ops uh oh this isn't spring training i apologize um he has a career fielding percentage of 0.979 which isn't horrible Uh, i mean he he was you know even before the injury you know he was touted as a five tool player he was an all-star um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he can replicate that season. Obviously, uh, there was a lot of talk about him, you know, being really motivated, uh, coming into this season and he had a, you know, a good spring, you know, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, can he replicate that going into the year? Because I mean, like, like we said, he's been trade bait. Um, and with the outfield prospects that you've got in obviously Kelnick, I keep forgetting that he he said that it's pronounced Kelnick and not like Kelenic, like I would like to say, but uh, it'll be interesting to see that because I mean, he Mitch Hanniger's not like old, he's yeah. 30, but you know, when you've got these guys kind of knocking on the door, it's like, if you can just get more um, in some other place while you've got these other guys coming up, you know, in Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez, uh, at some point, it's like, you know, uh, at some point, some guy's going to have to be the odd man out. So I figure at some point it's, it's gotta be Mitch. I don't think that he is going to be able to avoid that distinction. Yeah. And especially when you look at the alternatives, you're not going to bench Kyle Lewis. You're not going to bench Trammell. Like there'd be no real reason to do either of those things. But Jake Fraley, maybe this season bench Trammell. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 they, if the experiment doesn't work, like, he goes in, he bats 250, no home runs, just barely squeaking it by, then, like, yeah, okay, maybe you bench him and you you, you, you try someone else along the way. Um, but, like, I, I think that especially the center field situation is, is exposing the fact that, like, if you were to trade away Hanniger and you can't get you can't get Kelnick up immediately, you don't want to get Kelnick up immediately because we don't necessarily know what the Mariners organization is doing with their farm system right now. Then where do you turn? Do you turn to a guy like Fraley for the rest of the season in a right? Or do you turn to Marmaleos, who's kind of an established utility player? So if I were to think about in the future, if Hanniger gets traded, 
I don't know if Kelnick is my first guy on the list to get brought up. I think actually Marmaleos can be flexed out utility outfield for as long as we need him to until we can decide on somebody like Kelnick. Um, obviously, Rodriguez isn't going to come up this year. That was never going to happen anyways, despite what shit man said. Uh, I think he's just he's not ready. But uh, I think Marmaleos is a good buffer between Kelnick and whoever's starting anywhere where they want to slot him in. I think, again, that's, you know, probably secures his spot on this roster in Marmaleos. Um, I think it might come down to ultimately it's like, because I feel like Kelnick's just, he might be a little bit away from being brought up. Maybe. I don't know. It depends. Because from what I've seen is they want him to get more at-bats against uh, AAA pitching, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, he kind of took it on the chin from – uh his statement about it um so i would if i'm being optimistic about it i think he's just a little bit away and i think when they deem him ready then they'll pull the trigger on that but ultimately we are not uh in the gm chair um in those inner workings so uh that'll be something to monitor throughout the season really i guess is mitch's status and how he plays and how kelnick plays um so now this, I didn't necessarily have you prepare for this. Um, sort of three guys, three positions here. Uh, MVP of the team, ace of the team, and then newcomer. Um, just kind of basic things. Um, who would you have as your MVP at the end of the year? Mm, Gone Marco, probably. I mean, if Marco's able to replicate his season last year, without a doubt. Um, Uh, So would he be your answer for ace two or no? Did you say ace as well? Huh? Yeah, no, uh, just MVP, ace, and uh, newcomer. Uh, Well, like, yeah. Okay, so I guess I'll choose an offensive player, a a position player. Uh, I mean... Probably, probably Kyle Lewis. I I I'd hope if he can get that batting average just a little up, and he can get some, because obviously he has good pop in that in his bat. The dude's got some skills, so if he can get that batting average just a little bit up, um, I think easily MVP for position or for the offensive side of the ball, um. I think he's just he's he's definitely looking like a generational talent. You can't call those you you can't call these things so early, uh, but I, I feel like that's what he's shaping up to me. And I feel like this season, just like Crawford and White, this season isn't do or die, but it's definitely an opportunity to break out in a big way. And I feel like he has the potential to break out in the biggest way. No, that definitely makes sense. I mean, um, and that's the thing. That's why I'm a little uh said that I, we won't see him on opening day you know but uh it, it's just his, his first you know full full season because i mean in 2019 when they brought him up they brought him up in september and uh and that uh um, last year obviously it was 60 games so um i'm excited and that that was my mvp pick as well and then when we head over to ace i mean i had marco as well I've, james paxton had a pretty okay spring I wouldn't say great. I'd, I'd say he had a good spring. Um, and it'll be really cool to see 
what he does. He got some velocity up and, you know, from what I'm seeing and what I saw, he had, he looks like James Paxton. So it'll be interesting to see right. him at the end of the day. It's also, you kind of stay healthy. You know, if you're not able to in any, in any league, if you're not available, then you will become disposable. So, um, and I, I mean, I feel like I, I, and I'm hoping, I suppose that this injury from last season isn't going to be recurring because that's one of the finicky things about sports is like when somebody gets injured, it's somewhat of a big deal for their career because that same injury can happen again. We kind of saw it with uh, Greg Olson in a weird way where the fascia got hurt on one foot and then it got hurt on the other foot. Oh, that's it's just, transferred. That's just some weird stuff. But like, if you think about reoccurring, like hamstring injuries is a big thing in football. Reoccurring wrist injuries is a big thing in baseball. So if that happens, um, I feel like we get into a bit of an issue area, but uh, I feel like that, that might be the only thing keeping me from saying Paxton would be the ace this season. Cause he was definitely the ace when he was on our team before. Uh, even when we still had Felix, because Felix was on his way out in terms of quality and consistency. So I'm excited to see where the pitching staff goes, but obviously Marco has to be our ace for at least right now. Um, and then newcomer, I'm kind of torn now, um, just because at the moment we know that he won't be on the opening day roster. I think it's it's either Trammell or Kalnick. I think either of them maybe even both of them will break out onto the scene this year. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of riding the Trammell train right now. I'm really excited seeing how everything's are, you know, how everything's falling into place. Obviously good spring and opening roster, opening day roster. It's like, what's next now? What go, you know, where, do, where's the next stop from here? So uh, I think it's a toss up between either of those guys. I think it's Trammell or Kalnick and I'm just, I don't know who else would be the newcomer of the year for me. Um, at the end of the day, obviously I'm sure that, you know, when we look at the season review, there'll be some things that probably surprise us. Cause that's just how the season goes. But um, yeah, it's a toss up for me between Trammell and uh, Kelnick. I think, um, I think for me, it's straight up Trammell. Uh for a guy that wasn't necessarily on my radar until this spring, he's made a huge impact on the team. And I feel like he's more readily available than Kelnick by a lot. You know what I mean? I don't know if Kalnick is a is a sharpened enough product to go out there and make an immediate difference like Tramel might do in these first. And I think we'll get a general sense through this in the first twenty games. Uh, I think you'll you'll start to understand what Trammell's role or Tramel's role in the uh, team will be. I think that in terms of newcomers, that well, I mean, you can't really call Paxton a newcomer, but. <laughs> He kind of is because we just got him this year again. But I think uh, we also got people like uh, Flexen, who, I mean, you guys know I don't like him, but he could turn it around and be a good pitcher for our rotation. So I, I think Trammell right now, but like I, the door is open for any of these guys to show me that, like, not that they deserve to be on the team because I feel like a lot of these newcomers just they, they have a spot in our team no matter what. But to rise above and beyond the expectations that are already set for them is what I'd mark as best newcomer. And I feel like that's why Kelnick just has a bit of the uh, um, downside as opposed to Tramiel. Um So, you know, it's, it's obviously this is a year that 
if if they make the playoffs by some bizarre reason this year, I will pay for our dinners. So we'll go out for dinner somewhere, and I'll pay for it. Gauchos. You know, there's just just if by some miracle that happens, I will gladly pay for dinner. Um, but at the end of the day, I think this is another year. This is a full year for our young guys to really um, sort of just go out there and continue to grow and to see guys like Tramel come in and Evan White to improve on things. To disappoint any of the stupid fans who continue to complain and growl about not making the playoffs, you're not getting it this year. And I mean, I get it. I get it. It sucks to not ever go to the playoffs. I'm just, uh, I don't get the people that don't understand how a rebuild works. They're like, like, oh, you sucked for one year. You're done now, right? It's like, that's not how it works. Let me provide the popular voice here. All right, Chuck. <laughs> I'll say that I get that it's annoying as hell that we're not in the Oh, playoffs. yes. I, mean, I get that it's like, it's kind of a drag because you never even hope at this point. But I also say that while that is the case, this is kind of what you got to go through in order to get there. Like there is a point A and there is a point B and this is point B. We're just not looking far enough ahead. There happens to be a point C, D, E, F, so on and so forth, but we're riding this train till the end, right? So like if you're a fan, you realize that this is something that it's going to take a while. You look at how the team looked in 1990, you look at the team looked in 2001, it's a lot different. And we had a good shot in 2001. So, like, I, I don't think it's too much of an ask to just hold on for a little bit, put that rally cap on, and eventually you're going to get to the playoffs and it's, it's going to be great. Even if we lose first round, it'll be great because we made it. And it's a sign of the times to come. And I think these guys it should be enough right now that we had two golden glovers outside of that we're a pretty big poverty franchise so um i think we're doing well and i think we just need to move forwards and i think that i agree with chuck it's annoying to hear all these fans be like well we're not in the playoffs so do we really do we really do anything well it's like the people like that or they go on and they come in oh uh, I, I'm not supporting this team no more. It's like, okay, then don't comment on their Facebook. Right. Go away. It's a completely different thing than the Seahawks too. Because like the Seahawks playoffs are whatever, but the Mariners playoffs would be like, wow, we really built this team up from something that it was nothing before. Uh, the Seahawks comment section is a whole different thing. I, I hate wanna... Seahawks comment sections. They're so Yeah, I try to steer away from that because I get too into it. But, you know, so that's that's kind of the infield outfield and season preview uh, from yours truly and Senor Benno. Um, Omari's doing something. I don't know what he's up to. Uh, but now we have still more Mariners news, Omari. It's not, not time to come back just yet. Uh, we'll get to the last week of spring training. Um, March 23rd at the Arizona Diamondbacks, they won three to nothing. Uh, player of the game was pitcher Chris Flexen. Uh, with five innings pitched, uh, three hits, zero earned runs, zero runs, and four strikeouts. Uh, Bennett's favorite player, I'll buy him a jersey. Uh, March 24th versus the Chicago Cubs, they lost 6-2. to two. Play of the game was Taylor Trammell with one hit, one run, one RBI, and one walk. March 25th uh, at the Oakland Athletics, 
The team lost eight to five. Uh, player of the game was Jared Kelnick, uh, Mr. Crampton Charisma himself, with one hit as a double, one run, one RBI. Kelnick. Huh? Kelnick. I'm trying to say it. All right. I'm trying to work on it. Um, March 26th. I didn't even get to say his stat line. Freaking Nick. Uh, one hit as a double, one run, one RBI, one walk. Uh, March 26th at the San Diego Padres, they lost six to three. Player of the game was Kyle Seeger with one hit in RBI. Pretty low bar there. Uh, March 27th versus the San Francisco Giants, a preview of opening day. They lost, they won five to nothing. Taylor Trammell had two hits, one run, uh, and four RBIs on his day that he was announced that he would be on the opening day roster. Uh, also, played the game was James Paxton with four innings pitch, zero earned runs, and nine caves. Uh, March 29th at the Cincinnati Reds, the team tied. Five to five. Player of the game was Bennett's favorite player, Chris Flexen, with three innings pitched, zero earned runs, and three Ks. So the Mariners end the season with a tie. I believe they had six ties in spring. So very indicative of the spring season. Holy yes, man. but they. I, I I hate to break it to them. I might have to send Scott Service an audio message, but they can't tie in the regular season. That's not allowed. So, um, you know. Okay, let's or get so into. They say there have been ties. Well, we're not in like eighteen thirty anymore. No, there have been ties in like the last five years. You're kidding. Yeah, no, I think Tampa Bay had a tie because they were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, and the other team was too. And they were going into like the fifteenth inning, and it was raining, and they were just like, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> oh no! Here, uh, MLB. I think twenty sixteen was the last one. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't find instances of ties. Yeah, no, that Google doesn't help me with that. Um, huh, interesting. Um, let's get into narrowing down the roster. Uh, the following players were sent down to minor league camp. Uh, pitchers Robert Duggar, Matt McGill, JT Chargos, Logan Gilbert, Taylor Guerreri, Vinny Natoli, Jimmy Yacobonis, Brady Lale, and Paul Seawald. Catchers Cal Raleigh. Jose Godoy, Brian O'Keefe, infielders, Sam Travis, Jack Reinheimer, who I actually thought would make the roster, uh, but did not. Uh, Jansen White, or Witty, outfielders, Louis Liberato, Dylan Thomas, Eric Filia, Jared Kelnick, and Julio Rodriguez. Uh, the following players were optioned to the alternate site. Pitcher Johan Ramirez, LJ Newsom, Aaron Fletcher, Joey Gerber, Eric Swanson. Uh, outfielders, Braden Bishop, and infielder, Donovan Walton. Ronis Elias was reassigned to the minor league rehab uh, and pitcher Gerson Batista was released. Uh, so I, I don't believe that we have uh, final cuts quite yet, but um, at least not where we're at. By the time that this is out, oh no, by the time this is out, we probably won't. Um, so, you know, by next week we'll have opening day and games to actually look at. So, um, so you know, uh, Julio Rodriguez donated 30,000 masks to keep everyone safe and healthy. He kicked off his contribution by drip, ugh, distributing distributing thousands of masks to the Peoria community. So good on Julio. I mean, he's only 20, so he's doing pretty cool stuff already. Uh, the MLB is aiming to crack down on pitchers. Uh, new rules put in place to curb foreign substance use that will include ball inspections. Going to have to inspect those balls, Bennett. Uh, dugout monitoring and spin rate analysis. I, uh, hmm. It's interesting because I know that they already like 
they they changed the balls to uh not you know got so... oh god what have we gotten into can't <laughs> believe you've done this um they i know they put in rules to change the baseball so that they're not like hitting moonshots every other game or every other inning so i mean to further crack down on pitchers is interesting to see um nonetheless Jared Kelnick on uh, not being on the opening day roster. He said, I understand like, he said, like, this isn't me adding it. I understand like where they're coming from and all, and I, all I can do right now is focus on what I need to focus on and get there as soon as possible. Bennett already kind of talked about this. It's not necessarily something that he needed to be on the roster opening day. It's not anything that uh shitbag said. Um, I don't think at this point it was uh, service time manipulation. They just want to get him more prepared. They don't want it to be a Mike Zanino situation. Mike Zanino has had his moments, um, but Not he that in the World Series. He's he's never really found a consistent swing. So um, Kyle Lewis has a deep bone bruise on the side of his knee, and his status for opening day is in question. Uh, the ten day injury list is potentially his landing spot if necessary. Uh, coming out of spring would be retroactive to March 29th. Uh, Scott Surveys said on Root Sports has been mentioned that Taylor Trammell uh, has made the MLB roster and will start in either left or center, depending on Kyle Lewis's health. He said that Trammell broke down crying. As, I mean, I'm sure that's a really good moment for him. He's a guy, you know, that was initially brought in by Cincinnati in the draft, um, got shipped over to San Diego and that shipped over to us. And I think he's found a spot with us. So hoping that, when see i'm cautious now when i buy jerseys because when i bought kyle lewis's jersey he was number 30 in september of 2019 he changed it to number one so i have to get a number one jersey now so uh you know it's it's really cool to see Tremel's journey and it'll be really cool to see him continue to grow um and then mlbpa jerseys because every jersey i've bought of any player in any sport they literally leave the team the next year you know, before 2019, my most recent jersey was Edwin Diaz. Wow. Yeah. I have two, and this is going to show how much I buy jerseys from the MLB. I have one that's uh, Robinson, and I have one that's Paxton. Because Paxton was my favorite pitcher. And then, like, I got Robinson. He was at the team for two years, and he left. I got Paxton. He left, like, two months later. Well, uh, when we go to a game, we'll stupid too because he was obvious he was going to get traded. I was dumb. We'll bring you down to the uh, team store and we can get you one of the Felix jerseys that are on sale. <laughs> like twelve dollars. Yeah, I'll get you my discount. Um, all right, it is time for our first ad slot. This is Hom Seattle. I'll let Omari take this away. Okay, Hom, how's your back in the loving Big Brother kind of way? Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. I'm not gonna lie, I really like Hom's like just message and model like I with their core. It really just it just sounds beautiful. It really is amazing, especially coming from an old day brother. And it's like okay, you, there's nothing not to love about it, you know. That's what like that's what athletes need. That's what anybody needs when you're living in these times. You know what I mean? You got like you need people have your back. I love that. And you know, before. To be quite honest, you know, before a decent amount recently, I had known too much about race. I mean, I'd seen about Homs and that, but you know, getting to know it's Porter, race Porter. Yes, race Porter. Sorry. I... Oh, hey man, we're on a first name basis. <laughs> all right. Um, I was like, you don't know too much about race. I was like, I feel like 
Oh, <laughs> oh, now I see why that was needed. Yeah. Oops. Race is his name. Yeah. Um, but I mean, w- you know, the quality is really good. I've I've seen it. I've I can actually say that because I've had it in person. I've had it in hand. You know, and it, it's it's there's actually a good meaning behind it. So it was really cool to partner with them, and now we've got uh our our little message from it so and it'll be in every week um it'll be in here so you'll hear it uh whether it's omari or i'm I'm gonna have to make bennett do it one of these weeks you're gonna have to say it i'll take turns obviously but we'll take turns it's like kindergarten we have to take turns doing things all right snap that means we can be one of those uh content creators that are like like we can be like and we don't choose any sponsors that aren't, you know, things that we like ourselves. You know how those people always do that when it's obvious they're just doing sponsors that pay because we're not doing that. But like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Ones where like I use Raycon, then you buy a pair of Raycons and you're like, what the hell are these? What is this? <laughs> um, time to get into our Seattle Sounders news. I do actually have to need you guys for this because there's an opinion I need on this. Um, before. Hey. <laughs> Omari and I both disengaged and then immediately came back and said that. Um, we'll get into it, but there's some things I do have to read. So if you want to go and take your little nap or go get some chips or something. Uh, so the Sounders announced a multi-year partnership with Puyallup Tribe's Emerald Queen Casino. The logo will be placed on the right side, uh, right sleeve of the team's jerseys. In a statement, uh, it said, in partnering with the Tribe and EQC, Sounders FC is continuing its commitment to aligning with partners that share our core values, uh, including furthering equality across Puget Sound. Uh, the Sounders will also become one of four MLS teams to compete in the 2021 Leagues Cup. Uh, it is a single elimination tournament that will feature clubs from the MLS and Mexico's top flight league. It is slated to begin the week of August 9th. Uh, the team is reportedly losing Gustav Svensson to the China Super League. Uh, Gustav has been a fan favorite for years. Um, and I know it sucks because it seems like this team is losing a lot of uh, key players. Obviously, they lost Jordan Morris on loan. Uh, oh, shoot. Oh, oops, we're going to pretend I remembered the name. Um, but, you I mean, you lose Goose now, too. You know, just veteran guys that it's like, well, you know, so it'll be really interesting to see what the team does this year. I mean, just because, you know, uh, obviously you're a perennial playoff team, but you lose one of the best players on the team and, and you lose a key player in Goose. It's uh, It'll be interesting to see. Uh, the MLS schedule release took place recently in the past week, and the Sounders schedule is as follows. On April 16th, the team will play Minnesota United at home. Uh, on April 24th, they will play at LAFC. On May 2nd, they will play versus the LA Galaxy at home. May 9th, at the Portland Timbers. May 12th, at San Jose Earthquakes. May 16th versus LAFC, May 23rd versus Atlanta United, May 29th versus Austin FC, uh, June 19th at LA Galaxy, uh, June 23rd versus Real Salt Lake, uh, June 26th versus Vancouver Whitecaps, July 4th at Colorado Rapids, uh, July 7th versus the Houston Dynamo, uh, July 18th at Minnesota United, July 22nd at Austin FC, July 25th versus Sporting Kansas City, August 1st versus San Jose Earthquakes, uh, August 4th versus FC Dallas, August 15th at Portland Timbers, August 21st at Columbus Crew SC, which is the rematch of the MLS Cup Final, 
uh, August 29th versus Portland Timbers, September 11th versus Minnesota United, September 15th versus the Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, September 18th at Real Salt Lake, um, September 26th at Sporting Kansas City, September 29th at San Jose Earthquakes, uh, October 3rd versus Colorado Rapids, uh, October 16th at Houston Dynamo, October 20th at Colorado Rapids, October 23rd versus Sporting Kansas City, um, October 26th at LAFC, November 1st versus LA Galaxy, and the final game of the season being November 7th at Vancouver Whitecaps. So that is your season, supposed to be a, a much better season, but as you can note, there are no uh, East Coast teams, just probably to keep things within region and be safer through the pandemic. So this is now where you need to pay attention, my friends. I will uh, share the screen uh, and show you this. Um, so um, the Sounders, uh, every two years, the MLS is forcing the team to change kits. This is the team's new kit, is a Jimi Hendrix kit um, inspired by Mr. Hendrix himself uh, with ties into uh, him with lyrics and such. Yeah, purple haze. Um, in I actually state. really like it. I was getting to that. Uh, oh my god! I mean, I hate it. <laughs> the statement right. reads as follows: A powerful Sounders match day tradition. Jimi Hendrix's iconic rendition of "All Along the Watchtower" blares throughout the stadium prior to kickoff. It's a rallying cry, rooted in the fabric of our city. Jimmy is Seattle. The jersey, like Jimmy, shatters norms and honors one of Seattle Seattle's greats. Obviously. Um, it's not the standard purple. I mean, uh, the standard green that you're used to with the Sounders, but I don't know. It's kind of grown on me. Um, Omari kind of said his thoughts on it. Uh, Bennett? Well, no, no, I have more. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. I hate the New Jersey since they've been with, uh, since they switched off the Xbox, though. Like, I hate the font. Like, I, I don't like that. So I didn't like that in the original green anyway. I didn't know huh? after they signed off with xbox what did it look like yeah no look it has zulily in the middle you see that so, or we'll look it up for bennett sounders jerseys the, are funny. Sure, hey, i don't really like the i didn't oh, like the change yeah, those are with the, yeah. exactly is, so yeah. if they would just get rid of that i feel like i feel like it just ruins the jersey but i definitely like this whole color wave they got going on i'm excited to see what the fan year is going to look like with this so oh like here a new scarf new beanie i yeah. really I, I would like all this though so like see, the Xbox one looks better to me. I, I, I like, like the Xbox like, ones back when they were that color scheme. Look at this. You, you, this is pretty plain. Oh, oops. Um, and I liked Ooh. it. Uh, I I was not a fan of the last jerseys. Apparently, I don't really watch soccer that much. Uh, <laughs> but I think these are an improvement over the last ones. But I don't think I like them still. Quite honestly, yeah, it's the it's just the word placement for me in the font. Not in the word placement, same as Xbox. It's just the font. I know, and Zulily, what a lame-looking brand. It's Sponsor. Not, oh, yeah. It's not exactly hardcore. Oh, hardcore. Very hardcore. Great insight there, Bennett. But what um, I, I guess my, my real opinion is, I, I purple is such a... Uh, I purple? Purple. Purple. Oh, is, oh purple. purple is what you're saying. Yeah, purple is such a, like badass i don't know i i it's I a just, color of royalty now bennett and i get like the purple haze connection 
but I'm not a huge fan of how the jersey looks. The purple black, I'm not. It doesn't really. You are out outvoted two to one. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> Kicked off the podcast. Uh, <laughs> you're voted off the island. I didn't know that was part of it. No, not a, okay. Um, no Seattle Storm news for the week. Uh, Athle- Ooh, nope, not yet. Uh, we do have a, we obviously have our second partner, but they, uh, we do not have a script quite yet. Uh, no Seattle Kraken news. We are just basically counting the days until the expansion draft. Uh, there is some segment for the OL Reign. Uh, Megan Rapino was named to the U.S. Women's National Team 23-player travel roster for upcoming matches in Sweden and France. Big surprise. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, and the team acquired a third-round draft pick in exchange for the rights of defender Skylar Debris in a trade with North Carolina, the North Carolina Courage. Uh, basically, what's looking ahead for the rain, uh, they will have the 2021 Challenge Cup, which is effectively preseason. Uh, April 16th versus the Houston Dash at home. Uh, April 21st at the Portland Thorns. April 27th versus Chicago Red Stars. And May 3rd at Kansas City NWSL. Those home games are at the... Tacoma Rainier's Shaney Stadium. Uh, and I know that the the minor league season delayed um, for a year. So, uh, um, um, so they'll have some time. And I'm sure they schedule, uh, they, they deal with schedule. So Seattle Supersonics news. Just kidding. No Sonics news today. Um, Seattle Dragons news. No Tridicons news. That wasn't funny. <laughs> Uh, that was not funny. Why we do it every week? I know I'm laughing, but like it just wasn't funny. If you're laughing, no, I'm kidding. Um, all right, so we have an Omari segment here coming up. Whoop whoop whoop. Uh, whoop. We're running on it. We're running first, close to an hour already. First of all, uh, and you, hey, I'm not done yet. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, you know, football news linebacker McKenna Hayes committed to UW as a preferred walk on. Haynes is a is coming from Cleveland High School. Uh, his father, Lenny Haynes, won a Rose Bowl with UW in 2000. So okay. now going into men's basketball, we shove it over to Omari for the Loyola Chicago segment. We would have had the first of two last week, but obviously scheduling things take place. So Omari, take it away. Well, it's sad to announce that Loyola Chicago was eliminated in the Sweet 16 against Oregon State losing 65 to 58, but yeah, there's no, but we lost. It was kind of sad to see, honestly. Uh, MVP would have to go out to Cam Krutwig. Don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right with a uh, 14 points. That's the guy with the, the mustache, right? Yeah, it's just the guy with the mustache. He looks kind of like he would not play basketball. <laughs> what, what would you, what would you think he does? Chess club. Uh, Chess club. Any, he looked like he could be center in the NFL. <laughs> I never seen him before. Definitely. So chess club was kind of. Just uh, you should. What's his name again? Yes, but uh, Cameron Krutwig, K R U T W I G. I don't know. It was a good season for the Ramblers. Honestly, the, I noticed that the team's really excited. They felt like they had a good season. It's weird though because none of the seniors are coming back, and what happened last year with COVID, they actually all have the option to come back if they really wanted oh. to, but none of them are coming back. Because huh. everyone has an extra year because of COVID. So yeah. if they wanted to to try to go again, they could have extra year. They but, said, uh, no, nah, I'm good. I don't good. believe any of them are coming back. I said, I'm straight. But uh, are you I was talking to a player, and they seem uh, – yeah. Oh, really? Dead ass. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bennett so has I saw him all the he said they're feeling today. pretty confident. 
<laughs> dead ass. They're feeling pretty confident for next season that they're gonna make it back. I remember he told me early in the year that they were they were gonna make it to the tournament and they were gonna go pretty far in there. So he was right about that. So I have no reason not to trust him now when he says that they're gonna be back there next year. So, hey yo, if that source you know, goes to hopefully see you dub. If that source goes to the league, we got like a, a league source. League thoughts, uh, insider information. I guess hmm. he's a junior right now, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, does he have any comment on the seniors not returning? Uh, no, up. not really. Call him up. <laughs> yeah, call him right now. No, call him up. Um, live interview. In in it's sad, pretty, it's kind of two in the morning here in Chicago. So. <laughs> in yeah. uh. Not not so glamorous men's basketball news. The Huskies have five players in the transfer portal. Uh, Nate Pryor, Eric Stevenson, Marcus Sahonis, Raekwon Battle, and... Do you say five? Raekwon? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, Mari and I both had this same reaction. And J-Ron Whoa. Brooks have all Man, entered the... said God. we are out of here. Hey, let me oh, suffer. Let me get God. through it, all right? Uh, and J-Ron Brooks Michael Porter. have entered the transfer portal. Uh... But, 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 ex-Seattle U in uh, Garfield High School standout, Terrell Brown announces transfer to UW. Oh, you he Terrell went to, what it, was it, U of A this year? Yep, yep. That's uh, interesting, that's interesting. And but Huskies, have you noticed? Yes, Omari. Has UW coaching been good since that one dude left? I remember like a while back, I think it was the year that Michael Porter was supposed to go there, and then that dude left. Romar? And then everyone who was supposed Romar to go there. Romar was just a good recruiter. That's all he was. He, he couldn't coach oh, for shit. Okay. He, I mean, it would be nice to have his recruiting talents, but um, because they they had Markel when he was here. Uh, I mean, they've had a ton of Marquise Chris, you know, uh, Dejounte Murray. Um, since then, you know, Hopkins, Hopkins had success, and they made a tournament run with you know Romar's team but since then it, it it hasn't been good sailing so it's brought his position into question um and I think it it wouldn't be bad to bring in Brandon Roy to coach um so you know uh, the Huskies also secured 2021 small forward Samuel Aribi from the NBA Africa Academy whoa that's kind of cool. uh no women's basketball news just because they're still searching for a coach <sighs> baseball gets the sad trumpet of the week wow. uh March 23rd, they lost at Gonzaga 7-2. March 26th versus number one, not number one, number 21st ranked uh, Oregon State. They lost 0-3. Player of the game was the sad trombone. March 27th versus the 21st ranked Oregon State team. They lost 8-1. March 29th versus 21st ranked Oregon State. They lost 3-13. The team is 0-6 in conference games and has lost seven straight. Their record is now eight and thirteen, and they are ranked last in the Pac-12. Sad trombone. Who would we give the gold star to this week? Who would we? Seahawks. Probably. Uh, which won't. is wild because I think that's the first time they've gotten the gold star for since ever. we've been doing gold stars. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, I had a question. Is there any? Did, did someone from O'Day go to Gonzaga for baseball? I don't think uh, so. For baseball? I don't think for baseball? so. Let me look at the roster. Gonzaga baseball. I think the only people who are playing college ball are Falcons. Oh, that's from our year, no. though. So I, I don't know. Yeah, you got to think about last year. I Mench. know. Henry went to Portland. Yeah, I thought Mench. Kelly. Where did Kelly go? UW? Yeah, he went to UW. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Mench is on Portland then, right? Yeah, Mench is yeah, on yeah, Portland. Yeah, yeah, Mench is on Portland. Um, I'm not seeing any O'Day guys. Oh, yeah, wait, this I don't is think all... We don't usually say There's a up. guy from Ballard and Mercer Island. Ew. Ew. No one likes Mercer Island. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, baseball, baseball's had trombone. They get the dunce cap of the week. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh, they will play three games upcoming, and they will be against number 10th ranked UCLA. So nothing's getting easier for the baseball team. So the softball team, they did not have the best week. Um, it wasn't the worst, but it wasn't the best. Uh, March 26th, they would play the first game of the four-game series against number 11th ranked Arizona State. They would lose four to five in the first game. Player of the game was third baseman Silent Rain Espinosa with two hits and one RBI. Can March 27th. Say, can you say third baseman in softball? Third base woman. Uh, yeah, that doesn't <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it counts, actually. I don't know how that works. Third base. Third base. Third base. Second base. Third base person. First base. Uh, March third 27th base? versus Arizona State. They lost one to six. Player of the game was right fielder Madison Husky with one hit and one RBI. March 27th. In the second game at Arizona State, they would win 14 to 7. Uh, play of the game with center fielder Jalen Alchin with three hits, two runs, and four RBIs. And then the 28th versus Arizona State, they would win 11 to 1, which is the biggest win in the Pac 12 this year. Uh, play of the game was designated player Noel He with three hits, two runs, and two RBIs. So, um, where'd my notebook go? Uh, since it is uh, with the end of that game, it is the midseason point for the lady uh, with the softball team. I have a midseason uh, report that you know, the other two guys on the team, the podcast, won't care about. Uh, at the midseason point, uh, the team has a record of twenty-four and four. They are ranked fourth in the Pac-12 and sixth nationally. Uh, midseason MVP would be second base Bailey Klingler with a four fifty average. Uh, 1.406 OPS, 30 runs, 30 hits, six doubles, nine home runs, 27 RBIs, 0.863 slugging, and four stolen bases. Billy Klinger's having a pretty damn good year. Uh, midseason ace would be Gabby Plain with a 0.88 ERA at a 14 and 0 record, uh, 95 innings pitched, uh, three saves, um, and 10 complete games. Underclassman of the midseason would be Jalen Alchin at center field. Uh, and the, the key games of the second half would be April 16th versus 18th through 18th versus Oregon and April 23rd through 25th versus UCLA, just because those teams are currently ranked in the top 10. So uh, Pac-12 really does a great job at softball. They've got great programs. Um, um, and the Huskies are no different. So in the upcoming schedule, they will play April 1st versus Cal, April 2nd versus Cal, April 2nd again versus Cal, and April 3rd versus Cal. Um, men's soccer team, uh, they played on the 24th at number uh, third-ranked Oregon State uh, as the number four team in the nation. They would win 2-1. to one. Player of the game would be Charlie Ostrom. He assisted on both of those goals. And then March 28th, at San Diego State, the team would lose oh, to, uh, nothing to two. Um, in the past two weeks, they had beaten number two ranked. Uh, they had beaten the number two ranked team and the number three ranked team. So back to back weeks with you know huge wins. Uh, the team currently sits at an eight and two record, uh, nationally ranked fourth, um, with a Pac-12 rank of second, and they will play. Uh, 
upcoming week, the 3rd of April versus Cal. The women's soccer team would go and play against Utah with the number 18 ranking on their belt uh, and win one to nothing. Play of the game was Summer Yates with her winning goal. Uh, it was the first win in Utah in five years. Uh, Summer Yates was declared top drawer soccer team of the week. Uh, Kayleen Peng won the Core Values Award for women's soccer for winter 2021 for exemplifying what it means to be a Husky. The team is ranked, oh no, team record is 7-1-2. and two. They are ranked 18th nationally, and they have a current Pac-12 rank of five. The upcoming games are against uh, USC on the road on the 2nd of April and April 4th at UCLA. The volleyball team. Uh, went through senior day versus Stanford. Uh, they would play on the 26th and 28th, and they would win the first game three to one, and the second game three to two. Their national rank is seventh. Their Pac-12 rank is first. They are 15 and three, and their final two games of the season are against Cal on the first and the third. So, um, yeah, the usual uh, Gold Star team did not win a Gold Star this week. Um, Seahawks actually made some good moves in free agency, which is, you know. I don't know if I saw that coming all the way. Um, so, you know, busy week, really busy week, just because some things had to get moved into this week. Um, and this upcoming week, we've got opening day. So it's going to get, we might need to, I might ship Omari a baseball book. Maybe we'll, we'll send him one in the mail. Um, got baseball for dummies. And then at the end, of the, when when we're all back, we're going to need to – I'm going to have to look at the calendar and see what game we're going to go to um, and make Bennett pay for food. So, you know, yes. um, I'll have to look at this – we'll have to look at the schedule here. But, you know, things continue to come, and we've we've got um, our little advert for Homs now. So, you know, things continuing to be added and, you know, continuing to – Oh, wait. Just to say something for Maestro Athletics, you know, everyone, every day, try to be a Maestro after your craft. <laughs> Amari, Amari is on the spot. Amari is on the spot here. Amari, you should write uh, ad spots for companies, buddy. I then mean, we'll, then we'll lose him. Media, from, so. Then we'll lose him from the pod. Can you give me one for? Um, awesome no, see, no, seriously though, Maestro. I like Maestro Athletics. Sparkling water. I'll be back with you next week. Okay. So we will reconvene with Omari next week on sparkling water, it seems. Um, But this has been episode 55. I know we've got opening day next week. Uh, Free agency continues for the Seahawks. There's nothing new really there. Um, We're getting closer to Sounders' uh, first game. Storm's draft is actually coming up in the middle of March. I mean, April, pardon me. Um, Range preseason is coming up. Uh, Kraken, we've got a, a little bit to wait um, for the expansion draft. Um, Any word on the XFL? No. Uh, the last thing we heard from them is that they're working on a partnership with the CFL, and that's about it. So, you know. Football league? Yes. Um, so that's that's kind of it for this week. I mean, we've kind of gone over everything. Um, and looking to next week, uh, we've kind of gone over what's coming up next week. So yeah, that has been episode 55. Um, Bennett this week, I'm going to tap you for the very bizarre ending noise. Uh, whenever you're ready, my friend. Okay. Uh, ah! Baba Bowie.